Hi, this is Cherie Curry of The Runaways, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 192. It is Brando. Thanks for hanging out again on this Guns N' Roses-themed bar mitzvah party of a broadcast, looking at life through Guns N' Roses-colored glasses, uh, connecting anything with our six degrees of GNR bacon, calling in in just a moment, Cherie Curry, former lead singer of The Runaways. She has a brand new album out entitled Boulevards of Splendor, and it's produced by none other than Matt Sorum. Matt plays on the album. He got Slash and Duff to be on the album. Billy Corgan's on it. We're going to talk to Cherie all about it. And after that, stick around for a segment that I finally decided on what to call it. Uh, you may know uh, from past episodes, in addition to interviewing celebrities like Cherie Curry, we'll interview uh, bands that may not have a direct connection to GNR or, or just other bands to highlight, to find out about new music just in general. So coming up for... Appetite for Discovery, and I have a terrible soundbite to go along with that. That's coming up. Uh, so Appetite for Discovery, we have the thrash metal band from Colorado, Havoc. Okay, so Havoc is on the way, but first, I believe Cherie is calling in now. Hi, Cherie. How are you doing today? I'm just doing peachy keen. How about you? <laughs> peachy keen. I like that. I thought I thought I was the only dork who said that. Totally a dork. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, if you don't mind me asking, where are you calling from today? San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and I know that first thing I asked, how you doing? It's kind of a loaded question nowadays. So, I mean, before we get into the new record, how are you? How is the family? How are you taking quarantine in this Armageddon that we're going through? Um, I'm doing just great. I mean, it, 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 I'm not going to say it doesn't feel a little strange after a while because I'm really a home buddy. I work from home, actually, unless I have to do like on-site carvings. I've used, I'm carving at home and I'm, you know, um, I've got, I'm doing my audio book now. So I, I'm here, but it, when, when you're being told to stay home, it just changes you after a while. Yeah. You know, when, cause you feel your freedom is being you know taken away a little bit it does after after a few weeks and it's been quite a few weeks for all of us i think it's uh it starts to wear on you a little bit yeah um that i understand that i mean i'm usually in a studio and in in a tribeca at iheart radio now i'm here in my apartment in queens in my simpson pajamas not to give too much information away about myself but i guess you kind of answered uh, a little bit of my, my my next question was, how are you staying busy? So you are still carving and you're working on an audio book. I am, yes. And I'm talking to you, Brandon. <laughs> that as well. And, yeah, so, and, yeah, so I'm doing that. And uh, uh, 
I mean, you know, we're, we, we manage, don't we? We manage. We manage to get through it. It just feels odd, and we have to just remember that this is only temporary. It is temporary, and, and you, more than most people, know know about that, know what it's like to go through a certain experience and, and come out of it. And the experience of with this new album, Boulevards of Splendor, I mean, it has to be many experiences, because correct me if I'm wrong, this has been a, a decade in the making? It has. Uh, and what a gift. You know, um, I think it's, it's a little bit of a miracle, I will say. Just kind of like the Runaways movie was a little bit of a miracle. And uh, I, I still don't believe it happened. And even when I look at this and listen to this record, because I didn't listen to this record for probably eight years. Wow. Because because I just didn't ever think it was going to come out. So, you know, when when, when you, it's, you, know, you got your heart in something and it and you don't think it's ever going to see the light of day, you have to disconnect to survive. Right. So uh, that's what I did. I didn't expect it to see the light of day, but it but it did. And um, and now that I listen to it, my jaw hits the ground. It is a freaking brilliant record. It really is. And it's not, you know, it's funny because I'm listening because it's star studded and that's kind of how it's built and it built. But it's not just the the tracks that have Slash and Duff and Billy Corgan. It's one of my favorites. Just, it's just, just they feature you, just you, the old school Cherie that uh, that we all love. One of my favorites it has to be probably Bad and Broken is up there. Uh, Black Magic is fantastic. But who put this all together i guess that's kind of where i want to start is you and and matt sorum worked yeah so how did you and matt first meet because i'm assuming you met before you started to work together how did that happen we had only just in passing matt and i met at different charity fundraising events maybe one or two but he reached out to me uh, when i was traveling with ken phillips my my publicist we were traveling for the for the Runaways film, doing PR for that. And he had reached out to me to do some background singing on his now wife's record at the time. Okay. And I, I missed the boat on that because by the time I got home, he had wrapped on the record. But uh, right at that particular time, we were just chatting when I phoned him back and I had been asked to open for Joan at the Pacific Amphitheater in Orange County. And this was not a small show. Uh, Brandon, this was a big show, and I didn't have a band. Hmm. And I brought that up to Matt. If he knew any people in the business, I mean, I'm just a chainsaw carver from the valley. You see, <laughs> I don't have I don't have people, uh, you know, in my back pocket or in my lo- little black phone book like Matt Storm certainly does. And and but to, what shocked me the most is he turned around. And he goes, "Well, I'll be your drummer." Hmm. And I mean, first of all, I mean, still right now, my whole body just shook. <laughs> when I said that because they brought me right back to that moment where I could not believe he just said that and he goes and I'll put together a band for you it'll be kick ass and I was like what what and sure enough he brought Nick Mayberry who is just incredible and Grant Fitzpatrick on bass who is with the cult and I brought my son Jake Hayes on board who has gone on to become quite a solo artist in his own right and went, you know, and uh, and we, Matt, he grabbed the reins on this, and we rehearsed. And boy, you when you rehearse with Matt Sorum, you better not be slouching. I'll tell you that much. I mean, that guy is a, just a pro. And if 
if I remember my son, who was very young, I mean, you know, like 18 at the time, 19, I think, and uh, he had never been on a stage besides with me on some smaller things. But if Jake wasn't hitting a chord right on the downbeat and Matt just started making him do it over and over and over (laughs) (laughs) with everybody standing there looking at like, oh, my God, oh, my. But Jake got it and he never forgot that. So Matt just did an amazing job and we put these this show together and in a couple of weeks we hit the stage and uh, blew everybody away it was such a great show and it was packed like nine thousand people and and um matt walked up to me after the show and we were taking photographs and he was kind of through the side of his mouth going you know we gotta make a record here you know and mm. it's like no nah, i don't ah uh, sure oh i didn't think so because I just didn't, but he was serious. And uh, within a week, we were in his studio cutting Roxy Roller. And then Kenny heard it, and he loved it. And we did have another record company that wanted to, to do the record. But but uh, Kenny was my manager at the time. So, of course, we went with Blackheart, and, uh, and we made this record. And uh, Matt opened his little black phone book, and he asked all his friends. And they wanted to be involved in... Gosh darn it! I'm, <laughs> I'm still in shock. Yeah, that's the dorkiness in me coming out, right? Gosh darn it! No, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm they, the same way. They agree. Yeah, they agree to be a part of it, and and here we are, and I get to talk to you because of it. Isn't that cool? It is, and I get to talk to you as well. And it's uh, my girlfriend and I actually rewatched uh, the Runaways movie this this past week, and of course, for me preparing for you know for the interview, just to kind of get in the in the mindset. But before we continue, actually, with with Matt and the record before I, I lose it, how is it to play with your son? Because that's that's interesting, you know. Um, I'm assuming did you raise him to be in a band? Is that something? That, did you want to be like mom? Like how did you ever? Did you know that you would be? Not that you would not play with your son. I'm sure back you know in your house or whatever. But you, professionally, that you would play with your son. Did you ever see that coming? No, I didn't. He wanted to be a professional skateboardist, but when I took him to, like, you know, the, the outdoor parks, he would freeze up and get scared. You know, he didn't want to be a basketball player. So I got him the hoop, and I got now, but you know, he wasn't good at that. And all of a sudden, he picked up uh, my guitar, and he started, and, and he never put it down. That He was 13 years old, and the first time he ever played, we went and did... Um, uh, Jonesy's jukebox with Steve Jones sure. and Jake and Steve played together. Jake was 13. And that's the, that was his introduction was playing with Steve Jones on Jonesy's jukebox. We did some, some runaway songs and a song that I'd written, uh, for that show. And, and I just started including him, uh, and he was in, in he, you know, he's a redhead so that he had his hair bleached and long and, covered his face you know how kids are when they're insecure but by the time we hit the stage at the you know my son was a young man and and then i took him on tour with me uh and it's so funny because his his cousin is trevor lukather steve lukather's son oh steve married my twin sister marie so they've got two kids together they're long divorced but trevor was going on tour and trevor's uh uh, seven years older than Jake and he wanted Jake to go on tour with him when he was 16 and I told Jake how would you like your no fast or slow <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going not without me you know and by the time yeah but we did four tours together and by the time I had finished 
Jake went on tour with his band Maudlin Strangers, and uh, he was a seasoned pro by that time. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, he had the, probably the best teacher in you to prepare. Like, hey, you know, because you know what it's like to go on the road and be successful young. And you're, or you are able to impart that knowledge on him where you at, you really didn't have that when you started with the Runaways. So, you know, does he think his mom is the coolest or is he kind of embarrassed by you? You know, like how typical sons are. I mean, because you're obviously you're a rock star and you're doing chainsaw work. So does he think you're cool or is he, are you just mom to him? No, he thinks I'm cool. I mean, he, I mean, he does now. That, don't forget, his father is Robert Hayes. So Jake grew up with Kent McCord from, you know, Adam 12, his godfather, and Donna Pascal from Saturday Night Fever as his godmother. And all these stars, John Travolta, and I mean, Jake grew up around mm. big stars. And, uh, you know, his uncle Steve Lukather and Toto and, you know, um, so Jake was never one of those kind of people that was ever starstruck with anybody because they were all just part of the family, part of the friend circle. You I gotcha. Know? Yeah. All right. But he is one of the nicest kids. Brandon, you would love Jake. He is just a wonderful human being because otherwise I'd kick his ass. <laughs> well, to, to make the transition, because I hope to meet him and you, assuming that you will go on the road once this Armageddon dies down uh, for boulevards of, of splendor. So with that, it's interesting for to see who is releasing, like who, how every, every artist is handling this, this pandemic. Some people are holding off their release. Like Gilby Clark has his album just waiting, just waiting and waiting. And I know uh, Matt Sorum, who obviously produced your record, he's waiting on his book. So you're putting this out, which is great now because we're all bored. That's why I'm doing podcasts still. Uh, so, be for me. <laughs> uh, so was there any, cause did you wait long enough? Was there any hesitation with everything that's going on to, to put this out now? Because it's available, uh, digitally via black, right. uh, black heart records. Is there any hold off as far as physical copies or what has been the approach on putting this out and has well, the virus affected it? It's all been in the hands of Blackheart and, and Ken Phillips, okay. my publicist. It's all been in their hands. And uh, because, again, I really kind of didn't think it was going to happen. And when it did, and, and also Ken's worked really hard on making sure that people were aware of it. And I got the I actually sat down and listened to the record. And and then I got super excited because I just I couldn't believe how great it was. And and when I when I believe in something, I. It's great, isn't it? When you really believe in something sure. and there's nothing like it, you know, you can't, you can't kind of wiggle your way through something that you don't really like, you know, that much when you have to promote it. So I'm so incredibly blessed and everything happened the way I guess it was supposed to happen. I've got Ken Phillips, who's just been with me now for persons before the Runaways movie. He was Jones, uh, you know, publicist for many, many, many years. And, and, uh, I'm just loving this. I'm loving all of it. And I'm loving being able to reconnect with Matt Sorum after all these years. And uh, I just toured with, with Bree Darling on a record called The Motivator that came out. And I brought Nick Mayberry with me, who's the guitar player that Matt had playing on Boulevard Splendor. And I took on tour with me uh, for four tours. And um, so I get to be with him again, hopefully, if we get to tour on this record, because I would love that. 
I think we we all would. But what's great is, in, in addition to you know the album being available itself, you have like vignettes of of you in the studio with Matt Sorum, with Billy Corgan, with Duff, with Slash. So if we could talk about the recording process a, a little bit, because I know it's it's taken a while, um, not quite Chinese democracy a while, but it's taken a while. Uh, if you could talk about the recording with Slash and Duff, how that came in, and that's the lead track, Mr. X, which is pretty badass. Well, that song had been velvet revolver and this was for a record that never actually transpired but this was a song that that, that slash and duff and matt had worked on and um when it didn't when they when they kind of broke up matt said my gosh we've got this song he called slash and duff and said we've got this song what do you think of sheree curry doing it and and they both thought that was a great idea so they came in and and recorded the song and and it's funny because Slash had been asked about his top ten collaborations in his career and he named me as one of them, which is absolutely again, that was falling out of my chair moment. There's been a lot of falling out of my chair moment, <laughs> <laughs> That's high praise, I mean, because he's worked with everybody. Everybody. So, yeah. so because uh, the phone cut out a little bit, but you said so. This is basically Mr. X is like what Velvet Revolver would sound like with Cherie Curry on lead. Right. Well, Velvet Revolver was. I mean, this song was written for Velvet Revolver. They wrote it for that band, and then the band was no more. So uh, Matt called uh, Slash and Duff and asked if if they thought that it would be a good song for me, and they agreed. That it would be great, and so they got involved, and and uh, we we recorded this kick-ass song. Were you guys in the I studio love. together when you were, or are you doing it like in parts? You know how sometimes people do in today's day and age. Yeah, well, I've worked with with Slash before, but uh, no, I wasn't actually in the studio. They did that a very late night s- session for that with Matt, and then I came in the next morning, and here was this amazing track. Okay. So yeah, so I wasn't actually in the studio with the guys, um, but they came in uh, when I was out of the studio, and they cut it. Yeah. Okay, because when you do go out on tour, I think. It- one of them has to come up with you. That's got to happen, one or both. I can foresee that happening uh, totally. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that they would. I mean, I've got, well, with me and Lita, we were raising money for a mu- muscular dystrophy, and, nice. and uh, Slash jumped up on stage with us. It was a lot of fun. I mean, he's a really good human being. You know, that's a, the funny thing is, like even Billy Corgan, you know, he's got a reputation, supposedly, but I just never worked with such a giving and a generous, really, truly generous genius as as Billy is. Um, really good people on this record, just down to earth, good people. Well, and before I, I ask about Billy specifically, if you hear the lawnmower again, I'm in my apartment in Queens doing this uh, this radio interview because of quarantine. So we all got to find our ways to make this happen. So. I just wanted the to awkward. Of life, right? Yeah, I know. I wanted to bring. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing my audio audio book at home, and my son had built a little sound, you know, encasement for me. But you still can hear those lawnmowers and those blowers, no matter <laughs> what. You know, so, it creates an atmosphere. I like it. it. It makes it. It makes a real raw rock and roll podcast. That's what I want. 
so with Billy, about Billy Corgan, how did that, when did you guys first meet? How did you end up collaborating with Billy? Matt saw him again. Remember, I'm just a chainsaw carver from the Valley. And you're so yeah. humble with that. You're so much more than that, but I, I like that answer. No, but I am. And, uh, and Matt reached out to Billy and asked if he would write a song for us to duet on. And Billy said, yes. Uh, what's the likelihood of that? I get another miracle in my life, I'll tell you. Um, and he came in the studio. It was an honor to meet him. And he played this song, Boulevards of Splendor. And um, we worked really closely together. And he recorded all the instruments because that's what Billy does. I mean, he, he didn't do the drums, but he played, I think, about every instrument on that on that song. And it was really neat to try to match his, you know, crazy voice that he has, which I've just grown to love throughout the years of Smashing Pumpkins. I was a big Smashing Pumpkin fan. But then just to show you what a terrific guy he is, is that after we had finished the song, Jake and I had written a song that just wasn't, wasn't you know happening and i but i knew it had potential and so we sent it to billy and he was he was at a retreat writing and he sent me a video back of how he had changed the song changed some melody and that is the kind of giving lovely human being billy corgan is you know um he took time out of his very busy writing schedule to work on a song that me and jake had written so that's pretty rare you would think. Uh, I, you would think. Especially, I think, one of the Smashing Pumpkins working on like a double album. So, yeah, he's obviously super busy. It's not like he's just sitting around. Uh, so, what's interesting, yeah. though, is because he's on the track Boulevards of Splendor, which, of course, is the name of the album. So, what, I guess, did, did in a way Billy name the album? How did that, that come about? I named the album. Okay. Uh, with with a little help from my son, we had gone back and forth about it, uh, Blackheart as well. Uh, but Boulevards of Splendor was my son's favorite song and one of my fa favorites as well. You know, I mean, it was such a, a a remarkable experience, the whole thing. And and we just loved Billy and we loved his work. And and so uh, we named the record after that song because it's, it's the best, well, my son's favorite song on the <laughs> record as well. So... <laughs> I, I, I know he's got great taste. It's hard to pick a favorite because there are, again, a lot of tracks. And one another one that stands out is the, the Runaways cover of Queens of Noise. So you have Juliette Lewis on, uh, Brody from the Distillers. So is that also all Matt Sorum uh, putting together this group? All of it. Yeah. I did, the only person I brought on board, the two people I brought on board was Julie Reagans, who is just a fantastic singer, which she sang on Roxy Roller, and Jimmy Z. I brought him in to do um, horns, and he's a legendary horn player and an old friend of mine uh, to, to play horns on um, You Wreck Me. But the rest, besides my son... And also, I brought Patty uh, Blas on to do some filming for me. Uh, she filmed most all the session work, and she's a friend. So those are the people that I brought on board. The rest is all Matt Soren. Was there ever a thought not to, to I mean, with, with when Matt jumped on board and he was going to be your, your drummer, that you two were going to start a band? Or is it always the focus was going to be like, this is going to be a Cherie Curry record? Oh no! It was going to be a Cherie Curry record. We were never going to put do a band together. Okay. I mean, Matt's a busy guy, and 
but he saw something that I, he saw something in me when I performed on stage, because listen, when we were in rehearsal, he would kind of look at me and I'd say, look, don't worry about me, Matt. I know how to handle myself on a stage. So don't worry about me. Cause he got a little concerned that I was a little too lax in, re in rehearsals. I mean, I was singing, you know, well, but the thing is, is that I wasn't, and I just said, don't worry about me. And when he saw me on stage for the first time was, he was behind me <laughs> since the runaways. And so, um, he wanted, he had a, a vision for me and a vision I did not have. I didn't expect to make another record. I really did not. Wow. I just expected to be a chainsaw artist the rest of my life and do the occasional uh, guest spots on pe other people's records. I didn't expect this. How come? It's all that. How come? Why? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, when you fall into a different kind of life and, uh, and I'm an artist, you know, I'm a, I'm a sculptor. So that was my life. And that's how I had a roof over my head. So that was just... And also another thing is that I think when you put all your eggs in one basket and, you know, it's either you're going to be a rock star or you ain't going to be nothing. I think that's a very sad story. Yeah, I understand. I that that's, that's understandable because, you know, there's always peaks and valleys in life and in every single career, unless you're Paul McCartney or Bruce Springsteen or, you know, people have their ups and downs. And um, I just never saw this as any kind of long term thing. Uh, for me well this is a pleasant surprise and I, I mean it sounds like it is for you but just for for your fans as well um there's an interesting quote that i'm reading that matt sorum said about the record and i think it's a nice uh, way to put a bow on our conversation here he says this record is about who sheree curry is now so who are you now and is it different than the sheree we knew or we we've come to know and again that's Matt looking at me through his eyes and and I God bless him for that because you know I'd forgotten who I was in a way and you know I've always loved being a stage performer I always knew it was in my blood I mean there are things that we're all born to do um but he kind of brought that back around and let me let me sing the way I wanted to sing he didn't tell me how to sing a song or don't have so much vibrato he just he was such a perfect producer for me because he made me comfortable in my own skin. So I'm forever grateful to him for that and his musical genius and his uh, ability to reach out to his friends and and they everyone loves Matt. So I think that they would have said yes if I would have been if I wouldn't have been Sheree Curry. You know, they would have said yes anyway. And that's a, a big a big, uh, you know, tipping my hat to, to Matt Sorum. Any chance of whether it be you yourself or with Matt to do, we're seeing a lot of these artists perform on webcams, on Zoom uh, now, because obviously there are no concerts or they're slowly opening. I don't know if you saw, I think it was in Denmark, they have, they had a concert where everyone's in their car. So we're, we're, uh -huh. we're trying to figure it out. So any chance of you doing anything on, on social media performance wise? I'm actually working on that as we speak. Nice. All right. I did and not know that. I got a couple little surprises. Uh, um, yeah. So we're just, we just started working on something kind of cool. So I think you'd really like it. Okay. So I'll keep my, uh, my eyes and ears peeled for, for that. And before I, I forgot, I'll be remiss. Did you, have you ever, because I know it's your relationship with Matt has is, is, uh, been a, a 
it's gone on for a while and, and obviously producing the record. But did you ever get a chance to see him perform with with Guns N' Roses or the Cult or um, back in the day? Any any of his other bands? Well, you know what? He has done so much charity work, and I saw him playing with Dave Navarro. Uh, I mean, he's a team player, you know, especially when it comes to charity. So I have seen him perform multiple times. I, of course, I could never saw him with Guns N' Roses because I wasn't going to Guns N' Roses concerts. I've seen video, but but he's remar- a remarkable performer. And yeah, yeah, it's Camp Freddy. Camp Freddy. Yes, 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 Camp Freddy. And yes. So I got to play with Camp Freddy, which was so super cool of Matt to include me in that as well. He's just a master. I mean, anytime you ever seen him live, because if you have, you know that he brings the back of the stage to the front of the stage. And that's what Sandy West always did. And that not every drummer can do that, where you might be at the back, but you're in the front because he's such a huge personality and has so much power and strength mentally. You know, he's he's got a charisma that is God given. I mean, it's it's not something that 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 isn't born into you. I was lucky enough to see him a couple times with Velvet Revolver. And hopefully I'm lucky enough to again to see, you know, I don't know what you two had plans for touring or, or, or one offs or whatever. But whatever it is, I'm looking forward to it because this really is a, a great record. And I, I'm glad it finally came out. Um, obviously, your your passion for it has come through this entire conversation. I mean, it's just uh, overall, you know, first track to last, just a really solid rock and roll record with a lot of surprises, and it's it's an all star album, Boulevards of Splendor. So, uh, Cherie, I can't thank you enough for your time, and I can't wait to see what's next. And you mentioned, so when can we expect the the audio uh, book? Is that the next thing that we can expect from you? Right. Yes. I'm, I'm on chapter 10 right now. I had to take a few days off, but it's a, it's a difficult book. You know, I thought I was finished with it when I rewrote it and turned it into an adult book when the movie came out. So reliving this now in my own voice was, it's definitely something I didn't expect to be so emotional. Mm. So, uh, yes, we've got that, but I also wanted to add, thank you so much Brendan, because if it wasn't for you, people wouldn't know. And, and Ken Phillips, my my publicist, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't, no one would know we were around. So, you know, you thank me for my time. I thank you for your time. Well, more people, you're, you're way too humble. People know who you are. And I, I will say, if, if we want to add one other person in there, my friend Joe Rock says hello. <gasps> I love Joe! <laughs> I, I, Oh my God, I love him with all my heart. What a wonderful guy. Yay! Oh, that makes me very happy. Give him a big squeeze and a squash when you can squeeze and squash him. Oh God, I'm sure he'll appreciate that comment because he kept saying, tell Cherie I said hello. I'm like, okay, relax, pump the brakes. So uh, Yeah, and I just, just talked to them the other day too. I love him so much. He's talk about another giving, really giving, beautiful human being. He really helped me out a lot when me and Bree were out there to do a show. I love him, and I never forget good people because, uh, you know what? We all need the help. We don't do it alone. We just don't. Not in this business, we don't. No. So thank you for your time. You, it means a lot to me. Thank you, Cherie. One of the true pioneers of rock and roll front women right there, Cherie Curry. Awesome, 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 awesome. 
And very interesting about that track, that Velvet Revolver track that never came to light. I mean, we've, we this band that hasn't existed for quite some time, we, we continually find out more and more about. And uh, hopefully I will find out more when I interview the producer of Sharia's album, Matt Sorum, on the next episode. That's right. Uh, but as far as this episode is uh, concerned, we are continuing with a, a new segment. Um, we've done it a few times before with for other bands who have been on uh, Bleaker, uh, that, that alt-rock band from Canada, also Corey Marks, who also from Canada, uh, country artist, and, and see what Guns N' Roses ties there are. But it's it's to promote new music as well. Yeah, this is a GNR podcast, but, you know, GNR, especially if you listen to Duff and and his radio show on satellite radio, they're all about you know obscure bands and finding new music. So, trying to do the same thing here on this podcast and make it different. You know, uh, interviews are great uh, when they're just about Guns N' Roses, but let's see how creative we can get. So, uh, let me first uh, thank all of you who submitted when I was trying to come up with an idea for this this name to keep it. You know, Guns N' Roses themed regardless, and my stupid little sound clips, uh, intro music for certain uh, certain segments, Shotgun News, uh, Mr. Mailstone. <laughs> I say these things and I shake my head at myself. So thanks to Andrew from Scotland, who gave the, the very clever name of Appetite for Discovery. So thank you for that. Uh, but it takes a certain kind of creative mind to come up with a sound clip this stupid. I just want to bury Appetite. Rather than just throwing a bunch of songs together that we think are fun, we're going over it, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and just working on everything to try it. That's the goal. Bury Appetite. Four. Discovery! So yes, <laughs> that is the new introduction for our uh, segment, Appetite for Discovery. I would love to hear your responses. As always, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, email, uh, show at gmail.com. Anything you want to say. <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings too much. Uh, so with that being said and played, let's welcome in Brandon and David from Havoc. So I guess we'll do a roll call since this is all weird. So who is the other Brandon? Me. <laughs> Can you say something a little more extensive than, than me so we uh, get a whole feel for your, your tone and your... You're uh, in yeah. Um My name is Brandon Bruce. I play bass in Havoc, and uh, I'm excited to do this interview. Right on. <laughs> and, uh, and David Sanchez, correct? I am David Sanchez, the one they called. Any relation to Rick? Rick Sanchez from The Casualties? That, or I guess Rick and no. Morty. I like <laughs> your response better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know Rick Sanchez from The Casualties. Okay, <laughs> that works right on. <laughs> So I, I appreciate you, you both, uh, you guys coming on today. I will say that I've only met a very small handful of Brandons in my life, and it's kind of, I mean, I guess I go by Brando on the show because I try to be cool. Like I'm not, I'm not as cool as being in a thrash metal band, cool. But I guess, <laughs> do you have a nickname? Does, do, are you Brandon? Are you also Brando? My mom calls uh, me Bran. No, uh, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> okay. Never, ha- never had a nickname. <laughs> right on. Uh, I guess the the most important question is: Are are you both of you guys okay? Are you both like you guys together? Are you social distancing? Calling both from Colorado? What's 
Uh, paint a picture for me if you could. We're only together telepathically. Right. Um, <laughs> we, we live about a thousand miles away from each other. Mm. As far as I know, we're both safe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you said. Are, where are you guys calling from? Are you both? I, I know it's Denver, Colorado, but is that just like the band where it's based out of? Where are you both uh, specifically, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in uh, Nashville. Okay. And David's uh, Lakewood, Denver. Okay. All right. Are you are you both for, are you originally from Nashville? Because uh, I guess I'm curious because I, I wanted to know about how the band – because I know this is your fifth album, but kind of just know how you all found each other to make this this five and, and be labeled as a Colorado thrash metal band. Yeah, so I'm originally from South Florida. Uh, I moved to Nashville uh, five years ago, almost to the date, actually. Uh, uh, five years and one month ago to the date I have uh, lived in Nashville. And uh, I met David and the rest of Havoc through a mutual friend. He was an AR rep for a guitar company that they were working with as well as I was working with. And we just became good friends. And when they needed a uh, bass player, I basically was like, I'm your new bass player. (laughs) All right. That was that. (laughs) Um, But the band, David's lived in Denver his whole life. Um, So... Uh, and he's been, he started the band when he was 15. Right. Yeah, I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And the, the band originally was all people that lived here in Colorado. But um, as time went on, the uh, recruits <laughs> for, <laughs> for the musicianship um, it got kind of more spread out uh, over time. But, I mean, it, it works out well enough. For us, uh, when uh, Reese, the other guitar player, he lives in Virginia, but he lived in Colorado for quite a few years um, when he first joined the band because that was kind of like one of the things that needed to happen if we, we were going to make a band work. But we couldn't be this spread out. But nowadays, things are uh, yeah you know, sl- slightly more lucrative. And, um, you know, if people want to live other places, as long as it's not like living in india or something i guess it's still possible to to create and be in a band together i mean you alluded to it and it's the perfect segue into just everything that we're we're going to talk about is i I just saw sammy hagar in the circle they they covered acdc's whole lot of rosie and it's all you know it's all separate they're all in different places they're not living together as the band like the partridges or anything like that and you're you're just you're seeing a lot of that. I know we had it, it got creative. I don't know if you guys saw the Rolling Stones. They had that. It was like the Elton John special, and they all had. I mean, Mick could sing, and you know Keith and Ronnie had guitars, but there was no drum kit for for uh, there was no drum kit for Charlie Watts, and he was just kind of playing it like you know like a little kid with pots and pans, and I guess they dubbed over it or whatever. But you just get to be. Uh, creative, like right now, I don't know if you guys could hear the trucks going by because I'm just in my apartment in, in Woodside, Queens, and you know, basically my pajamas. I did shower though. That that's a I showered for this. Just <laughs> even though we're socially distant, uh, I, I showered for this. So no, that's, I was worried about the smell. So thank you. <laughs> no, right on. And I appreciate when I got in contact with you guys because there's a segment. It's not just doing. This Guns N' Roses themed 
part podcast. I liked the way actually it was run on Sirius XM because my last interview with Susan Holmes McKagan went uh, kind of viral and they're running this promo uh, on Sirius XM. I was told uh, that said that Guns N' Roses centric podcast. I kind of like that because we it's not just talking about the band. It's it's not just interviews. It's talking to and we, this is kind of the reason why I from my beginning talked about why Guns N' Roses. And part of it was, yeah, there are some newer bands I like, but they're harder to find, you know, or they're just not out there. And shame on me that it's taken me a while to find you guys. And because I, I, I love old school anthrax and you guys sound not the, the pigeonhole due to one thing, but it's just old school thrash metal. And it's just refreshing now to see it. Just, and it sounds refreshing. It sounds new. It doesn't sound dated. And I do want to mention before I forget, uh, you guys were given a perfect rating on Metal Wani or Wani. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. Oh, cool. Which is uh, pretty insane. The new record or, or the new record? What was... Yeah. So it says okay, this cool. uh, five. They weren't talking about our looks, our physical looks. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like the band in general. <laughs> you guys are better looking than Metalocalypse. I'll tell you that. Some hot pieces of H. <laughs> so it says this uh, V uh, or five. Sorry, I got a total whatever. I, I, it's from cabin it's, fever. It's intentionally ambiguous. You're right if you say V, and you're right if you say five. Oh well, I let's pretend I did it on purpose. Uh, you're, you're killing it. <laughs> by Havoc is a massive dose of unrelenting and devastating thrash metal. This album is a metal masterpiece on V or five. Uh, Havoc, uh, Havoc retained all the crushing heaviness, the addictive riffs that have lifted them up uh, as one of the premier metal bands while continuing to explore their ingenious creativity. So, holy shit, that's that's a very metal re- uh, review. So, just congrats, to, uh, you guys. So, how long has Five or V been out? Today. Today. <laughs> holy shit! It hasn't so, even been it hasn't even been circumcised yet. It right. just came out. All right. So the, let's say this because I try to do this in real time, and I'm gonna get this interview as we're talking in real time. I break the fourth wall also. Uh, so today we are recording this May the first. It's gonna be May. Sorry, I should probably edit that terrible joke out. So it's out of May the first. Whenever you are listening to this, so uh, that's awesome. So. How do you feel? Are you either excited? Are you nervous? How do you how do you feel when uh, a new album comes out? Mostly excited. Um, all the nervousness is behind us because now the wait is over. Okay. How long did you work on it? Some of the riffs actually have been sitting around in the riff pile for a decade. But um, when it came down to like actually sitting down and focusing on getting songs together, it started in like late January, early February. So between starting to like really buckle down on the writing and uh, hitting record in the studio, it's probably four and a half or five months. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's, I mean, thankfully it, it was all done before because that would have been awful. You know, you're working on it so hard and at least you were able to, because we've talked about this with other artists or even um, CEOs of record labels that I've had on of just what do you do now? How do you go about releasing music? Because I'm sure there was supposed to be some sort of tour or something to coincide with this, right? Yeah, unfortunately, we had all of our tour plans for 2020 are, are canceled oh. at the moment. So we don't know when we're going to be able to get out on the road. But 
I guess the silver lining is hopefully people are stuck at home and have nothing to do and have time to listen. That's honest. I'm funding that out with podcasting. I'm like, there's no way people want to listen to me talk from, you know, again, this is, I'm, I'm usually in, in Tribeca, uh, you know, one of the hearts of New York City in the iHeartRadio studios where I, I work. And again, I just happened to do a GNR podcast, but I was working there. I, I record there and it's just, a, it's a, it's a professional setup. And here I am, you know, it took me a, a month to get a microphone off, off Amazon. <laughs> it's still obviously, you know, I'm not in a soundproof room. I, I was thankful there are no ambulances going by right now, you know, knock on wood right now. Cause there are many that actually do go by my, by my apartment. But are you going to do any, I mean, I know that's the challenge. What do you do? But are you going to do stuff on social media to try to stay interactive with, with fans? What is your trying opinion? to gauge as much as possible, you know, uh, you have to get creative now. Uh, you can't just post a cool photo of the band playing on stage and people, you know, uh, it's just the, those opportunities don't exist. So, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, I think all of us are going to be doing playthroughs and, uh, I think we'll be going live on Instagram and, engaging people in that way one thing i think might be fun for us to do as well is just um <clears throat> you know like dissect our own songs from the new record have everybody like talk about certain parts of songs or you know get into a conversation about individual tracks i think would be fun for people to listen to a after enough time has gone by where people have actually absorbed the record and kind of know it well It'd be fun for fans to listen to us talk about our own music. That's a good way for us to kill time in the meantime. Sure. But uh, th there's also no touring in sight at the moment, so it's entirely possible entirely possible that we'll write more new music and maybe we'll be able to put together a, a new uh, album by the time we can get out on the road again. I don't know. All right. Uh, before I I forget to ask, what are your do you use this the the havoc uh, thrash Instagram, or are you using your, your separate uh, grams, as the kids say? Both. <laughs> All right, so what, what are uh, they, if you don't mind? Yeah, people want to find the band on Instagram. It's Havoc with a K, H-A-V-O-K, -K, Havoc Band Official. And from there, there's actually links to every individual member uh, Instagram page. Okay, that's cool. That makes it easy. And the nerd in me has to ask, uh, Havoc, any relation to the X-Men? No, I didn't even know about the X-Men until after the band was already okay. in existence. That's a solid name, just regardless. <laughs> That's a solid name. I like it. Uh, so you know why I enjoy being able to talk to bands like you on this GNR-centric uh, podcast. Has there been any influence on you guys? Because I know uh, Slash isn't exactly a thrash guitarist, but you know Buckethead could, be, could fall in that category. So, uh, is there any been any influence, uh, Guns N' Roses wise, or or growing up that w w being one of the first bands that you listened to? Anything in that department? Slash is a total shredder. Um, I think a lot of metal guys really love his guitar playing. He's a total ripper uh, when it comes to solos. And uh, GNR as an influence, um, there's a lot of like rock and roll influence in our music, and GNR is definitely one of them. And a big thing that happened um, on our third record 
I always wanted to have a song that had a stutter, a repeating stutter. There's a lot of songs that do it. Um, uh, most notably, GNR wise, talking about shana na 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 knees. That was a partial influence for one of our songs that's on our third record called "Under the Gun." There's a line in it where it says, "Got to do what you got to do," and I. I stuttered the word do. Um, okay. And part, part, part of the reason that I did that is because of GNR. Oh, that's awesome. See, that's, that's the, there is no better connection than right there. Honestly, that's, that's, that's for me, if, the, if I was giving myself a, a grade or a, the segment a grade, not because I don't have an ego, it's a, the, the segment a grade of, is finding the, that Guns N' Roses, uh, six degrees of, of bacon, whatever it's, it's right there. It's something that influenced an up and coming band that it's not a carbon copy of it's completely different musical style, but it's influenced by. So that's, that's just fucking, uh, that's awesome, man. So, um, you know, I would would think that, uh, base wise, I I would, I would think that Duff's bass work is, uh, gotta be partially influential on, on the stuff that you write, right? Brandon, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's a very melodic bass player, which is, uh, was a lot of my approach on this record. Um, uh, Guns N' Roses has been a big part of influence in my life since I, you know, got into music and Slash and all the guys, uh, how can they not? They're one of the best bands. And, uh, I, I grew up on that kind of music more than, you know, uh, anything else really was that kind of hard rock and stuff um and a guy like paul mccartney is my favorite and they did an awesome version of live and let die so yeah yeah, uh the whole band i I learned guitar first and i remember learning the solo for november rain way back in the day because how epic of a solo is that and yeah a huge part duff and everyone Look at you! It's not just Brandon that that I like about you. The, the name it's it's uh, it's it's everything. So that's that's awesome. Both of you, David and Brandon. This was a, a really cool conversation uh, to have and to talk about. The is there anything that you you want us to know as far as the new album is concerned? Any as far as uh, you know, parting words? I guess <laughs> to poorly phrase it. I think there's some really uh, dynamic and moody parts on the new record that I think GNR fans would really dig, actually. Um, most notably, like in, in uh, the last song on the record called Don't Do It. But there's a bunch of, uh, bunch of rock and roll influence and, and uh, some like searing, high-pitched vocals that fans of Axl Rose would probably really dig. So if people like rock and roll and uh, like, you know, tough heavy riffs i think they'll really dig our record came out today and all four of us think that it's our best record that we've ever made we're really happy with what we put out so uh if you're feeling up to it definitely chunk it out and show it to friends if you dig what you hear awesome brandon david this was a pleasure uh we'll do this again okay sounds great thanks Thanks, guys for having us that was really cool I did not expect to have that specific of a connection between Havoc and Guns N' Roses, to be completely honest with you. You know, when I was approached to interview them, I'm like, hey, you know, if they want to talk about GNR, you know, just uh, like a generic 
you know, any influence, nothing specific, just to make it work for our purposes. And look at that, directly influenced by Thrash. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So if you have a band that I know some of you do who have reached out to me to want to take part on the next Appetite for Discovery, we'll get to you. Absolutely. So that, that's been great because I've been getting more and more messages about not just people who are in bands, but others that have been telling me their Guns N' Roses story and wanted to take part of a fan obsession. So we're going to keep doing it. And that's all thanks to you. This, this is why this podcast exists. I was completely blown away with the reaction from the Susan Holmes McKagan interview. I mean, I knew she she mentioned, of course, that there is a new Guns N' Roses music and she's heard it and it sounds pretty epic. You know, and, and once that story got out there and it got out there, I mean, Blabbermouth, Loudwire, Ultimate Classic Rock, Classic Rock Magazine. It was picked up in other languages. I saw Japanese. I saw uh, Belgium, Italian, uh, Argentina. I mean, this was an internationally recognized uh, story. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I, I take pride in that I didn't even ask Susan about it about new GNR music, because I will acknowledge there were plenty of you who told me to ask her, but I didn't think it, she was the right person to ask. And as we've discussed on the, these interviews before, I mean, it's kind of like a dance. I want them to come back on. I'm not here to throw hardballs at them. To, I want this to be a pleasurable, fun experience. And she just mentioned it because she, I guess, likes me for some reason and has enjoyed herself on this show. And it I mean, it really went viral. It really did. And that was just so awesome. And the only reason it went viral was because of you. So again, you are giving me content in so many different ways. And you are getting the name out there of Appetite for Distortion. And it's just been very humbling. And this GNR podcast, I never thought would be part of my radio career that I started back in 2001. You know, I started radio 2001. This podcast, I think is maybe three years old, but again, whatever, how time doesn't matter. We're approaching 200 episodes. So that's, again, it's a small part of my career, but this has become perhaps my most favorite thing that, I, that I've done. And that's all thanks to you. So until next time, well, I kind of told you, and you know, if you follow on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show, Instagram appetite for um, distortion. It's up there. Uh, Matt Sorum, Matt, fucking Sorum is coming on the podcast. I can't wait to talk to him about it, about everything. Of course, we're going to talk about, you know, his work with Cherie Curry and we'll see, you know, what GNR and Velvet Revolver stuff that he can talk about. You know, hopefully he can update us on his book. We'll see how it goes. And that's what this podcast has been like. We'll see how it goes. And I'm continuously uh, blown away by the, the progress, by this uh, podcast night train uh, that, that keeps on a rolling. So thanks to all of you again. So until next time, when will you see it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.